Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes and industry legends. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there will be no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Hey everybody, Amy Ingerbretson here, and welcome to a very special edition of Long Underwear. Um, This edition of Long Underwear is for Father's Day, and so um, I'm going to have my dad on the podcast, which is awesome because um, I'm a daddy's girl, and my dad has basically taught me everything I know and love about skiing and making my entire life about that. I can't say he's taught me a whole lot else, hey, but hey, hey, hey. <laughs> anyways, dad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's interesting to be here. <laughs> yeah. So this is my dad, Jeff Ingerbretson, everybody. Hello. Um, Jeff, uh, his nickname back when he was skiing professionally was Jeff the Captain Ingerbretson, and he was an extreme skier. <laughs> Sounds dramatic. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It was like pink stretch pants and hop turns. Well, and pink pink stretch pants are very dramatic. Yes. Yes. Uh, bold. Bold. It's a bold statement. Yes. At that but. point, I would ski in anything they would pay me to ski in. <laughs> pink pants. If you're going to publish me, that's fine. I'll wear it. I think you said you liked the pink stretch pants. You had like a, wasn't it like a, a Fila outfit with the pe- the pink padded stretch pants and the purple and pink windbreaker? No, it was actually hardcore. Oh, hardcore. It was hardcore. And they were pink pink and neon orange stretch pants with a white oh. and orange coat. Wow. And I got a full page in powder with them. So okay. So I won. Yeah. 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 You're, I like love it when people come over and I go and we, down to the base, into the the downstairs room and I get out your leather portfolio yeah. with your pages of your, you know, published images. And I remember we would go to Vegas to SIA when I was like a child yeah. and I had my little section in the back. Yeah. Yeah. No, you come by, you know, you come by it legitimately because you were, I don't know, seven or eight when you started going, because we'd go to Vegas and that's where all the to deals Vegas, were yeah. made. Yeah. And that's... But I had my first like brochure cover at like four. Oh Yeah. But no, no, you were getting published way before then. By the time you were seven or eight, actually going to Vegas looking for sponsors (laughs) was pretty funny. Because at first you're just, yeah, that was like the legit, we're going to my sponsors and we're saying she is legit, send her stuff. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, they always sent a little bit of stuff here and there, but now it's like we're you're going to see the business end. Yep, started early. People are it just it came up the other day. We were talking about smiling and skiing, and that's like my thing. Yeah, I always smile when I'm skiing, no matter what I'm doing. And it's because back when you were skiing professionally, and I was starting to like you were starting to use your daughter for your little advertisements. We would ski figure eighting in tandem, and you would turn behind me and you would yell, "Turn, smile, yeah. turn, smile, turn." And so like still now when I'm skiing, all I think is like, "Turn, smile, turn." <laughs> <laughs> well, especially, nobody wants to see a kid, you know, a grimacing little kid with a serious face on a brochure. It's all about the smile. Yeah, it's all about the smile. So, yeah, you taught me how to ski, but you taught me how to smile. Yep, you smile good. Smile's valuable. Mm-hmm. Plus, I got good uh, I paid a lot for those, So, yeah. thanks, Dad. <laughs> I, <paid laughs> I got a nice straight teeth. True. Not being genetics. A, being a wannabe pro skier, paying for braces was not easy. Yeah. Um, so you have some definite history with Warren Miller. You have unfortunately never been in Warren Miller, even though that's like your lifelong dream. <laughs> but you filmed for Warren Miller a bunch. Where yeah. have you filmed for Warren Miller? Um, I've done several Squaw Valley segments. 
Uh, I've done Chamonix. Uh, I've done Alaska, uh, the Kings and Corn. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've shot film for them. I've shot stills for them. I've done audio for them. I've uh, helped set up their their live shows, you know, locally here. And I've done about everything you can do for Warren Miller except ski in their film. So. <laughs> and that's kind of painful because you're kind of the whole reason you even exist you know, in this world. Cause, so now for people that don't know you as my dad, you are a filmer and a photographer and you, your photography is mostly all ski photography, but you film in all, you film everything. What yeah. all do you film? I do, I do a lot of, I do a why it all started from skiing. Yeah. I started skiing, doing ski films. And as I got older, I went behind the camera initially just shooting ski stuff. And then that branched out into all kinds of mostly action sports. Now I do, and from there, I've actually done a bit of everything. I did a travel show, shot travel show all over the world. Um, I do a lot of off-road truck racing now, a lot of uh, motorsports. The engine, bike trail, bike yeah, trips. Yeah, I do a bunch of the bike. I do a shoot off the back of the motorcycle, shooting bike, uh, bike big bike races. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's actually probably the most exciting thing I do right now. I think Even your biggest so claim to fame as a, as a filmer, though, is you are the best heli filmer if you can't afford... A, a GSS. Yeah, probably true. They call me the hin- uh, human cineflex. Human cineflex, but it's yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've. I think it's like your body type or something. You're a little, you're, you're kind of meaty. <laughs> yeah, and there's techniques. And <laughs> and I shot a bunch of ski stuff back in the day when when nobody was shooting the ski stuff with cineflexes. Nobody could afford it. Yeah. Nowadays, ski movie companies have can do cineflexes. Bill. Is Bill <laughs> drinking water in the background? <laughs> That's my dog, Bill. Ruining our audio. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, back in the day, nobody would consider using a Cineflex on a ski film. The budgets just weren't there. So <laughs> I, I learned techniques to shoot out of a helicopter and, uh, and do quite well using your body and, and, and not using all the gadgets. Yeah. And, uh, and I did follow cam kind of the same way. I was used to shooting But this skiing. is pre-gimbals and yeah. I mean, movies. And, yeah. yeah, and that's I got started filming doing follow cam with big cameras yeah. and to make it steady i just add more weight instead of trying to be small and light i would go heavy yeah because the heavier it is the more stable it is yeah and so i kind of went opposite to what a lot of people are trying to get smaller and lighter and well that was shaky to me where i could go heavy and it'd be stable because you start to be strong and you have to be strong manly. yeah oh. well, that's yeah <laughs> no that's definitely true and but. so though i did I- get a really good job from tom day because i outweighed him by like 40 pounds and, and the producers, the producers thought I would be stronger and able to carry the big thirty-five millimeter three D camera. Better. And that Tom would. Yeah. But Tom's like the strongest person. I exactly. Know. It was kind of funny. It's like I was bigger and physically I outweighed him, so I got the job, yeah. and that was pretty awesome. Well, and the connection with Tom Day, who's one of the primary cinematographers for Warren Miller and has been a long time, is he was one of your idols as a skier back when he was a professional skier, and then he became your mentor, well, your ski partner, and then became your mentor, teaching you how to basically film on film yeah. back with 16 millimeter cameras and now you guys are friends and work together and yeah and i was very fortunate a bunch of my ski idols growing up because i went to all i mean from the time i was in, you know two years old my dad took me to all the warren miller movies and, and that, that was, was back when he would come and live yeah. narrate them and he would like yeah. actual warren yeah the man so yeah so i would be going sitting in my dad's lap listening to warren miller live narrate the films that's so cool and i don't know that I've probably i don't know if i've ever missed a film when I'm 54. I don't... I don't think so. I don't know why, how, or when I would have. Because when I was really little, my dad did it. And then by the time I was 13 or 14, it was my thing. It's like, hey, we have to see the film. And when I was like 16, I saw Scott Schmidt introduce a film 
where my dad taught at Washington State University. And that's why I'm sitting in the audience. I remember sitting in my chair going, I want to do that. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I want to ski around the world. I want to see the world. And my dad was a professional fly fisherman and he traveled all over the world fishing. And, so why not and do doing, So yeah, so if he can do that, I can do that. Yeah. So it seemed somewhat realistic. And then, you know, I followed my left, my hometown in Moscow, Idaho to come to Squaw. I met Tom Day and Scott Schmidt and Huntoon and Kevin Anders. All the, all the, my heroes were here. Mm-hmm. In fact, my very first photo shoot ever I was, went out in the morning, did not knowing who I was meeting. I met a photographer, said, let's go out in the morning. Okay. It was, um, it was Tom Day and Huntoon and Kevin Andrews and me, Ski in the Pocket. And, and it was, just like, oh I was like, oh my God, these are my heroes. <laughs> then we go over and start hiking up Grand Chief Peak and run into Scott Schmidt and Franz Weber and Steve McKinney. Wow. And who were just, they were, I mean, they were, the, they were the top. They were this, they were the racers. world, world speed record host for speed skiing. Wow. And Franz Weber was, and they're all legends. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there I am hiking Grand Chief Peak to ski something steeper than I've ever skied in my life with six or seven of my ultimate heroes. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, this is, this is where I should be. This is yeah. what I should be doing. Yeah. And I knew in no time I'd be skiing for Warren Miller. And 35 <laughs> years later, I still haven't <laughs> done it. We'll just drop hints this whole time. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, I, but said, what's I, cool said, is that I said goals when I left. Now, Robbie Huntoon and yeah. Tom, they're, they're friends. Yeah, like, there's exactly. been a mentorship that is taking you through your ski career into this career as a cinematographer. And then now, like, I mean, you and Tom yeah. are peers. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty amazing. I actually, when I, I was injured this year, I couldn't go shoot the tour of California. And so Tom took my spot on that. Mm-hmm. But it was, yeah, it was amazing coming here and having Tom and Robbie and all those guys you know, take me under the wing and we just skied and that mm-hmm. was part of the deal. And I learned to ski from them. And as they moved into photography and, and filming, they brought me along and whenever I had questions and they were great support. And my first trip for Warren Miller was with uh, shooting with Tom Day and Chamonix. And it's just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm not sure it's probably the next year, shortly after Warren Miller did a piece on Tom Day skiing yeah. and do some of his lines that he skied in the early movies. And so I shot, I was shooting Tom Day for Warren Miller, skiing the exact same lines that I watched him in when, when I was in high kid, school. Yeah. And I remember it was one of those moments where it's not looking back saying it was amazing that happened. As it was happening, I'm going, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm shooting Tom Day ski the fingers just like he did 20 years ago. Well, and he still to this day oh, skis it just as good no, as he, he did he's as however good, many yeah, years ago. He's as, as good as anybody. So still. are you. All of, all of the filmers that I work with, especially with Warren Miller, you guys are all better skiers than all of us athletes, and you, nobody ever sees you, and you're doing the same stuff like we're doing. You're just doing it with literally 80 pounds of gear. Yeah. It, I'm saying it doesn't help, though, when I'm, like, standing on something scared, and you're like, I did it on skinny skis. I'm like, watch us <laughs> hike back up here and do it then, Jeff. I can push yeah. record. Well, we did that this year. <laughs> we did. I we got did. to jump off some cliffs this there year. There was you a big cliff. There yeah. was a huge cliff when we were with Chuck Patterson, and I, and I wasn't going to hit it. It looked like a 50-footer to flat in the trees <laughs> and you're down there and you're like oh it looks good it's perfect it's perfect i'm like are you out of your mind like i know uh uh-uh. like that looks horrible it's huge flat trees three strikes i'm out and you coax me into it and you're the only person that will can ever yeah. talk me into hitting an air blind especially yeah. one that big yeah and you're like no nah, it's you know There's it's gonna be tranny. big you're like you're like it's big it's gonna be a big one for you but it's perfect just hit it there's tranny do it and so i did i did it and even dropping in i was like uh, okay, no, drop, drop, dropping. Yeah, <laughs> like that was, was your like, most hesitant three, two, one. I think I've ever heard three, two, one. 
<laughs> and I hit it and it was awesome and we got a good shot. And then later in the day, you're like, I want to hit it. And I was like, go hit it. I can hold the button down, you know, like how hard can it be? And you're like, oh man, I'm on touring gear. I was like, I'm on touring gear. Get your butt up there and send it. And you sent it and it was awesome. Yeah. No, that was the biggest jump I've done in a number of years. And it yeah. just felt great. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it feels great. I miss, I, I love the shooting. I do miss the skiing. Yeah. I mean, there's a different, skiing for camera is different than just skiing. Yeah. And there's, there's an intensity, a focus, and just techniques that are different. Mm-hmm. And, and skiing for camera is different, and I miss it because yeah. it's, it's its own challenge. Skiing something is a challenge and all that, but skiing for camera, there's just so much more to think about. Well, Where the light is, how much snow is flying, body position. I mean, I think that's the biggest so gift more. that you've given me is like, I grew, I, I grew up learning to ski for camera. Like I learned, yeah. I grew up learning to ski, but I grew, I grew up learning to ski for camera. But the yeah, thing it's is, a different art. here's the thing. We're not supposed to talk about skiing. And We've done a lot of All that. we ever talk <laughs> about is skiing. Yeah. So we literally have to stop because I wanted to tell a story of how like your life mimicked hot dog and you dropped out of school and you went to school. Hot dog. We're just not. That. Yeah, that's you guys go watch story. Hot Dog the movie. That's my dad's life with a lot less naked women, I think, although yeah, I'm here. That's, so That's <laughs> mm. slowed the women mm. down a lot. Not, Anyways, yes. no, this will be fun because in the podcast, uh, the last over the last two seasons, a bunch of people have mentioned your name. So yeah, now the listeners get cool. to meet my dad, I Jeff. I get a new level of fame through you. And someday, I think I'm a bigger deal than I was. Segment. I keep hearing rumors that that, I think that's a great idea. Uncle Warren, put him in the movie. Okay, okay, we're done. It's the S word. We don't say it. You owe me cookies. I've got frozen wildfire cookies in the freezer over there. So That sounds good. S word and we're done. Okay, let's start this thing off. Dad, if you could have a totally different life, what would it look like? That's a cool question. And then for many, many years, and it's still true, it'd probably be, you know, a ranch. Being, being uh, I grew up uh, the later teen years on a, lived on a dairy farm. And I wouldn't be a dairy farmer. That's too much work. <laughs> but, uh, you know, being a rancher with cattle ranch and horse ranch, maybe just, be, you know, raising horses out in the, you know, out in Montana somewhere would be awesome. And um, so that... That has always been like a background dream. It's my background dream. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. I love animals, love horses, love hard work, love being outside and all that works. Yeah. Um, now, the way life is now, if I did something different, um, I might be a teacher. Yeah. Because I really enjoy working with kids, and I'm fortunate I still get to work with kids. And um, I do a bunch of theater stuff with kids, and that's a big passion right now. Yeah. Well, it's really cool because growing up, you're an athletic person, and you assumed you were going to have a jock of a daughter, and you didn't. Yeah, I was no. the exact opposite. I was. Con- I tried every sport, and I think I failed at all of them. Like yeah, I no, never was- made the team. I couldn't hold a ball. Yeah. I was horrible. I, athletics were always what I did. Yeah. And I was always a jock and kind of anything that was a sport it came naturally, and I thought, I'm going to have a little jock girl, and it's going to be awesome. And by fairly, you know, at three or four, I'm thinking she skied good for when she's little. It's like, hey, I'm going to have a jock. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, I thought I thought I'm gonna have a little jock girl. And it just did not work out that yeah. way. You'd throw her a ball and she'd just kind of look at it and she'd ask where the Barbies were. <laughs> and yeah, you're dance a tro- and dress you're, up. You're a trooper. You, you know, and I you, tried and you, it all. Out, you tried it. And you didn't you, make you, me try it all. Yeah. And and then you'd watch me. Be, you'd be like, Mm-mm, yeah. nope. And once we started, if you started a season, we finished it. And yeah. you're always a trooper. You always you did it. And then it's like, do you want to play softball again? No. Do you want to play soccer? No. Yeah. And it just, it wasn't your thing. You got to dance and that was your thing. Yeah. And so, but through that, you got on board, you were on the board of directors of my dance group. When I did theater, you 
directed the backstage crew, you built the sets, you helped produce. And so that led you to then, you, you volunteer with the high school theater even now. You've been doing it, get this, <laughs> for 16 years. Yeah, that's the uh, But that's it's really cool. Shocking. Yeah. You would no, be a great I would, teacher. It's, I really thought, you know, at some point I would, you know, be and a baseball coach. And your dad, your parents were teachers. Yeah. Grandma and grandpa were yeah. teachers. And I thought I would at some point be a baseball coach or, because mm-hmm. I, I love coaching and I've always enjoyed you that. You you coached cheerleading uh, aerials for one yeah, sixth exactly. grade summer. But yeah, no, having <laughs> having you was amazing. It exposed me to all that stuff. Yeah. To dance, in which I learned I liked I a know, lot. I fun, know. Fun fact about the Inger Betsons is we were on a professional swing dancing team. And we danced at Disneyland when I was like 16. Yeah. Called Razzmatazz. Yes. Yeah, so and we still danced. We, we still got do. kicked out of the cowboy bar in Jackson two winters ago for doing aerials doing, on the dance floor. Yeah. Which of all places you should be able to do aerials? Exactly, and you're Jackson. Come on, Wallace County. Yes, but but no, the, yeah. So the the dance, and I I'd done some theater, and my mom was very involved with theater. But no, the I was shocked that I turned into a dance coach, and a cheerleading <laughs> coach, and a theater coach. Not how I saw it going, but uh, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. and you know how to French braid. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. You were very into your looks and your hair. Yes. So very early when you were like three or four, I bought a book on hair braiding. I learned a French braid and I learned <laughs> all these fancy braids. I don't know if I could still do them, but... It would be fun to by, try. Yeah. By fifth or sixth grade, fourth, fifth grade, somewhere in there, you yeah. figured out you could do better than I could. Yeah. But I tried. I, at some point, I, I figured out about all things, cooking, cleaning, <laughs> laundry. I figured out laundry real fast because you well, still suck at laundry. I don't yeah, know why you couldn't get on board with the whole, it's a red tablecloth and a white tablecloth and don't put them in the same. It's two pink tablecloths is what that is. <laughs> this literally happened like this year at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Amy, I turned <laughs> all the linens pink and I was like, Oh my I God, thought, like I why? I thought when they're old enough, it just it stopped being a thing. I knew they weren't new, so I figured it was okay, but not so no. much. Uh-uh. There's things I'm good at. That's not one. Uh, no, you're good at a lot of things, but not laundry. Anyways, okay, next question. If you could be an animal for a day, what animal would you be? I, I mean, I know it's the given, but just like a bird, an eagle. An eagle. Just the, yeah, the serenity to be able to float. And I've been lucky enough to parapod a bit and hang glide a bit, and the feeling's pretty amazing. Yeah. But, uh, but you wouldn't be able to kill the mice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, no, the, the flying thing is still good. I mean, yeah. that's the joy of so many sports is the, the weightless and the speed and the, the freedom. So the bird scene, that's kind of an easy one. If I can't be a meerkat, I'll be a... Well, that's the thing is that you, if, if like, it's not a spirit animal, but there's an yeah, animal that you emulate... It's a meerkat yeah. because you do this thing when you are interested or when you hear your name. You literally, you perk up, you sit up very tall, and then you aggressively jaunt your head around like you're looking for, like you've popped yeah. out on the prairie and you're like meerkatting around. It's so weird. Yeah, that's, I'm not sure the origination of that. That's just in my soul. That's what happens. It's just, yeah, it's not like, a, it's not a spirit, it's just like what you look like. Apparently, I look like a platypus, though, because apparently I flare yes. my lips at people. You do. That's a thing. I'm not sure. Apparently, I, I also <laughs> always answer the phone in a questionable way, like, hello? Like, oh, as yeah. if I don't know who's calling. Exactly. Which was kind of <laughs> silly with caller ID. Back when I was a kid, it made sense. It was, but it was kind of fun back then, because there was, there was your nervousness, like, what's, should I answer? But now you know. It's kind of weird. But I still answer, like, Hello? Yes. <laughs> Even with me. It's How else like, am I supposed like to say it? Like, your, your phone, hello. 
Or am I always supposed to say, hi, Jeff? That, that's weird, too. It's just, I don't know. When somebody says, hi, Jeff, I get kind of nervous. Like, oh, yeah, you do know it's me. Seems like you're hard to please. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, mm. maybe. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of, this is a two-part question. First, what would you consider is your best quality? Um, wow. I should have known you're going to ask this. You always ask this. I mean, I think you listen to my podcast. I do listen. I, should, I didn't think of this one. <laughs> if anybody um, should listen, it should be my dad. I don't know. I I would hope that I'm kind and thoughtful and I care about other people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think I generally do like to look out for other people. Mm-hmm. And I think, I hope that's good quality. I think thoughtful. Thoughtful. Like, but like in a, in a, in almost like a preemptive way. Yeah. Like you, you're thinking ahead, but you're thinking ahead. You really think ahead for your own benefit, which drives me crazy. But you <laughs> think ahead for other people's. Yeah. Benefit. No, I do like I, I, I do think ahead, and I do like to plan ahead, and I do like to foresee issues coming. Yeah, and avert yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, solving. and when I watch other people and I see stuff that they're doing that's going to cause issues, like I want to figure out a way to jump in. Which can be annoying. Yeah, but, it's but also I also try. Nice. To, I, I don't know. I try to. I think I like being a leader. Though yeah. I can be either chief or Indian, kinda... I can be either one. But I often like there's ways to lead from behind. Yeah, and you can kind of like not let people know that you're leading. Yeah, is I mean, not I'm, to be manipulative. I know, but... I, yeah, it's like. <laughs> but no, I see that, that sounds manipulative. But you're but... also fairly. You can be fairly shy-ish. Like you're not actually oh, yeah. shy. You're just not like loud and boisterous. No, yeah, and I'm better now. I was very shy, and that's still, I don't know if shy is the right word, but I'm, yeah. I'm reserved. Well, you've come out of your show, you've gotten, you've, uh, recently you've become a musician. Yeah, that's kind of a, yeah. that's a new passion for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, it's, it's weird. That's, it's, I think it's good to be scared. Yeah. And it's, as, as I get older, it's weird to not necessarily enjoy, like, jumping off 50 foot cliffs anymore. And it's odd to not have that desire, but still get to be scared. And even with my camera work, I was always doing new camera stuff. And it was always scary going to those situations. And now most of that stuff I'm pretty comfortable with. But the mu- it's good to be scared. The music is now what scares me. Yeah. And it's good to push through. It's good to have something to be scared and do it anyway. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And that's definitely my life motto in a lot of ways. Um, okay, so the second part of that question is what do you think my best quality is? Do you have an awesome dad? <laughs> of course. I think that's I think that's your main strength. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Um, I th- I think your your passion and your drive. I mean, I I wish I had your passion and drive. And when you commit to something, you're gonna do it. And I think you have great focus and and great self discipline in the job you do. I, you know, it, you can't do what you do without incredible self-discipline. It's easy to wake up in the morning and say, oh, I think I'm just going to ski today or I'm just going to sleep today. But you don't. You do what you need to do to make yourself look good and make people around you look good. And Thanks. Yeah. No, I think your drive, I wish I had your drive. And I do, I've, I think I do fine. I've had a good life. But I, your drive is amazing. Thank you, Dad. And there's some kindness in there and all that crap, too. But Kind of. Sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, kindness. Yeah, kindness. I don't know. That's, I was with my friend Hadley the other day. I was trying to tell a story about, I don't know, something. And I was like, well, I can be flexible. And she was like, <laughs> really, Amy? <laughs> She's like, that was painful coming out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, that's, I like that. I think drive and passion. You, yeah. you always say I'm a very passionate person in terms of 
when I'm happy, I'm real happy. When I'm angry, I'm real angry. When I'm sad, I'm really sad. <laughs> but that's one of the things I like most about little kids mm -hmm. is you know where you stand with them. Yeah. When they're happy, they're 100% happy. And when they're sad, they're 100% sad. And I, I, I sometimes am jealous of that. Yeah. Like I wish I could just throw myself on the ground and throw a tantrum sometimes. Because I, mean, it's I good. still do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's my point. But no, it's just good to good when you're happy, be happy. Yeah. And don't. And it's like sometimes I think I'm maybe even too thoughtful. Like. Yeah. You, you don't analyze. I think we both analyze a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's like don't analyze your feelings. Just feel them. Yeah. And I think especially growing up, I analyzed everything to death. Yeah. And there's some danger in that. Yeah. It's good. I still analyze a lot. Yeah, but I think you. I, I, I think I like just listen to yourself. You should listen to this podcast. <laughs> Don't overanalyze. Okay, another two-part question. What do you think, as a parent, was like your best parenting move? And what do you think, as a parent, was like your worst parenting move? Oh, wow. You haven't asked these before to anybody. Um, <laughs> it's the best parenting move. Just one, I liked it. And I, I tried to be a parent. I didn't try to be a best friend, though I always, we were always friends and we are always close. But I took on, I took the challenge of being a parent and going, I want to raise a good person. I don't want to make this little person happy necessarily. I want them to be happy and I'm going to do everything they can to have them be happy. My main goal is to raise a happy, contributing adult and to look forward and say, is what I'm doing creating happiness down the road? Yeah, and not necessarily right now. Not right now. Because I think I was a, a pretty hard you were strict. Dad, I was strict. Especially for being hard. a young dad in a mountain town. You yeah. were strict. Yeah. And I was, I think that's, I think being strict is good and trying to be consistent. One of the hardest things in a parent is, is being consistent. And there's times where I just say no to something and it's like, I'm rethinking saying, well, I didn't really need to say no. Mm -hmm. But like once you said, it's like, okay, I'll say you no. You said no most of the time. Well, yeah. <laughs> but you were. I mean, it was good. I mean, I think that. Yeah. But again, I tried to teach, I tried, and I tried to teach, I tried to, again, live, I tried to not do as I say, do as I do. I tried to set an example yeah. of do as I do. I tried yeah. to be respect worthy. Yeah. So. I think I always respected you. Yeah. I but but so. now people see the relationship we have now and, and you're just so proud of me now and you're always, you know, talking. Yeah. And I'm like, I did, that person was not around when I was a kid because you always wanted me to like stand on my own two feet and work harder and you, it, you we weren't, we're best friends now, but I don't think we were best friends, especially when I was a preteen, a teenager and I was yeah. snotty. You were, you were my dad. Oh yeah, 100%. Even though like you're literally, we're best friends now, but back then oh, yeah. you were my dad. Well, the day I took your door off the hinges to your oh, bedroom, yeah. that was probably not your best friend. <laughs> no. But one of your yeah. best ways to get back to me is run upstairs and slam the door. Yeah. And I said, if you slam it, I'm going to take it off. And I don't know if you believe me, but mm -mm. then you came home and it was gone. Yep. And then you believed And I was me. 13, which is a mortifying time to not have a door. Yes. Yeah. You're good for a few weeks and we put up beads. Yeah. And then you had beads for a few weeks or months, and then we, the door got back eventually. Yeah, yeah. But no, the, the hardest thing is being consistent yeah. and follow through. Like if you say you do this, this is going to happen, you got to follow through. Because if you don't follow through, they don't trust you. Yeah. But if you're not honest, if you say you're the best ever and the kid knows they're not the best ever, then they won't trust you. Yeah. And I think you trusted. When I said, I, I and you, the second part of the question was, what did I do wrong? Maybe I was, I don't know, I think I was really supportive. But I think I was I was surprised in later life to hear that I you didn't feel as supported as I thought you felt. 
I just you de- you sense. demanded excellence, and yeah. I didn't get praise very often. Yeah, and, and I thought it was. I and, didn't I, and I just grew up in a time where there was a, people praised their children a lot, which now, like, as my own adult, I, I don't think is necessarily the yeah. right way to go. I mean, maybe a little more praise would have been nice. But. Yeah, it's like <laughs> not everybody should get a blue praise ribbon. Tie, no. Yeah, it's like not everybody wins, and I think you get that. It's like yeah. if you work hard, you win. Yeah. But well, it, I'm very I, anti-participation awards. Exactly. As a lot that's, of people that, that know me know. I think I was on another podcast yeah. where they asked me about participation awards. It's not that I think that if you don't win, you suck. I just think effort should be rewarded. Yeah. And I think that people's brains, when their kids' brains, when they're developing, can, can tell. Like, if, if, if I do half the work and I get the same reward, then I'm going to learn how to always do half and yeah. get the same outcome. But you, just, you get where you don't trust people yeah you if somebody says oh feedback. you're amazing you're amazing you're amazing and, and in your heart you know if you're a great soccer player or a great baseball player and if i would have said hey you're the best soccer player ever would you would have like, said you you're nuts and you I wouldn't played ring around the rosy <laughs> yeah it's like and i never said i would say good try yeah especially when you tried yeah and i i, I would say you know we're going to finish out great job for being there and that i'm sure that flower really loved the attention you gave it but i would try to <laughs> yeah but and and again, I talked. I was really into reputation. But see that if that, I if, that, I, if that there got, was a mistake that of, of, if I can be critical of your parenting, yeah. you tried very hard to teach me the lesson of reputation, which is such a fickle one. And to me, it came off as like caring too much what other people think. And yeah. I think that's something that I've had to learn as an adult yeah. to let go. And I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But it, it seemed like it maybe landed a little off. No. And I think <laughs> we've, we've talked about that actually. And yeah. I think that's probably, that's, if there's a, a bad, that's more what the words I want to use is reputation. And yeah, cause it's not, it's not, yeah. Reputation is different. Yeah. And if you get a reputation for being lazy, it's hard to overcome. Yeah. But that's different than having what people think about you. Cause People are gonna think what they think. Yeah. And I, it's. It's intertwined it's, though. Yeah, I, I still, it, as much relevant. as I'm very critical for of you for that, I don't know like how I would approach that because yeah. it's still like you're like Amy, but it's like it's it was also like it's not like so much like you don't want people to think you're a skank or a slut. You're like Amy, yeah. don't be a slut. You know, like because yeah. <laughs> then people won't think you're. Well, yeah, you that know? came back to some of your outfits. I know my dress choices. Very. Yeah. Okay, what's this? I had this rule where I couldn't wear high heels taller than a dollar bill folded in half. It was two inches. Where the heck did that come from? That's like the most there ambiguous had, rule ever. But there has exactly, but there has to be. You can't just say you can't wear high heels because then it's it's there's too much. There's no quantitative. You can't measure it. So at some point you you pick a number. It's like okay, it's two inches. Which is a dollar bill folded in half. Thirds. Thirds. Yeah, a dollar bill six. Well, inches. that one came around to bite you in the ass because I wear the he highest heels now. ever, and I and again, love them, and but, I will forever. <laughs> but, and again, you you couldn't wear makeup, and then so then I there's I couldn't even wear glitter. Yeah, but it's like is glitter makeup, and is it's yeah. just it's so hard to, you know, because yeah, a kid, especially a smart kid, is going to try to find the you know the angles. Yeah. And so it was, it was trying to be as black and white as reasonable, and reasonable is an interesting word. Yeah. Well, but anyway, that's the two inches was just it seems a number. Like I'm okay. I'm still going. I still like to say but, everything you don't like about me is your problem because you raised me. Yeah. So I hear that. Yeah. Good luck. I hear that. <laughs> okay. Um, next question. I guess I wanted to know. Um, this is going to be a hard one to do without skirting the S word. Yes. But what is the favorite trip that we've ever done together? Well, actually, because it's no. funny because we both traveled yeah. the world independently a lot. 
Yeah. And we haven't necessarily gotten to travel so much together, but we no. have through the S word, we've gotten some and then. Yeah. And we've had a bunch, even, even this, this past winter was a fun one. The conditions weren't awesome. It was just, it was a relaxed trip and we had a really good time. We went time. to Switzerland. We went to Switzerland together. Yeah. But actually one of, actually one of my favorite trips almost ever was college graduation. Yeah. We did like three weeks around Europe and I've traveled a ton, but it's always work. I've yeah. almost never traveled same. without an agenda same. and without a producer saying, go here, go here. And it's great having somebody say, here's your fancy five-star hotel, here's your meals, and it's all planned out. It's all easy. But we rolled into Geneva like two or three days after graduation. We landed in Geneva with a rental car, and that's it. No agenda. No agenda, no hotels booked for more than a night in advance. Yeah. And we literally looked at the weather and said, oh, weather looks good here, and we took off for Italy. Yeah. But no, that trip was... And it was really cool. It was just cool. And and it's a weird transition. Like even when you go off to college and you come home from college, it's like, at what point are we friends? Like when there's trying to get over that, like she came home from college and she stayed out all night. Well, I know she stayed out all night in college, but can I, do I still have a curfew? Do I have a curfew? And that trip was kind of like, okay, We're just you're grown up. Every way I messed up, now it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> Any of your it issues, is it's is. time to get over it. And it's, it's weird to walk away and like watching you say you have a tantrum, like with a bicycle or something. <laughs> say that Literally, something like I that walked away. Happened. It's like, do I, I can't parent anymore. She's going to have to figure okay, out if this I'm is who she is or not. You're talking about, it was my first time ever mountain biking. We were in yes. Switzerland, in Lauterbrunn, Switzerland. It's actually where we were this year, but it was in the summer and I never mountain biked. And we lived in a mountainous place and I just didn't have a bike growing up. I didn't bike. I wasn't interested. And you took me out to go mountain biking the first time because I was all inspired to be this outdoorsy girl now. And yeah, okay, parenting was over, but somebody somewhere <laughs> had to tell me the front brake, back brake. I didn't know that you shouldn't Fish. jam on the front brake and back brake evenly. So I just kept flying over the handlebars. And yeah, sure enough, 15 minutes in, I throw a massive hiss hissy fit and throw the bike in the river and it's a whole thing and yeah. you walked away. But like... Uh, it never occurred to me that nobody taught you how to ride a bike. But you were supposed to teach me how to ride a bike. When I grew up, everybody rode a bike. <laughs> it was just, there's some things I didn't realize I failed to teach you, and the bike was one of them. There we go. But there was, yeah. But it's an interesting time yeah. trying to figure out when do you stop parenting and just be a friend. And when, yeah. and again, I think a lot of kids never grow up and take responsibility. It's like, yes, your parents didn't do perfect. Yeah. And you can blame them forever or step up and say they did the best they could and now I gotta now I need to be a respectable person, regardless. Yeah. And I think you do a great job with that, despite my parenting flaws. I still have some tantrums here and there. Yes, but we, it's passion. Yeah. We, we call it but, passion. But I don't think you blame me. <laughs> no. I, th I think you take ownership of your issues. Yeah. Definitely. Where a lot of people don't take ownership of their issues. I think you know. Well, I think your I'm just lucky enough weakness. to know that um that you did the best you could and you did better than most parents who maybe had a more perfect situation than we had. Yeah. You know, you were young and there was a lot of moving parts in my childhood and you did a I, better I job than most people that have these predictably cookie cutter lives. So yeah, I tried. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. But no, that trip, anyway, back to the trip. Yeah. That trip was awesome. And yeah, there, there wasn't, it was cool. There was, I don't even... There wasn't, we hit some bad, there wasn't a bad part to it. I don't remember was, any bad parts. And and we got along flawlessly. Yeah. It was like, it was, it was really fun. Yeah, that was a great Three trip. weeks in Europe, no plans, just right after, yeah. right after I graduated college. And we ended up 
in Lauderburn, we had six days left. We were going to keep traveling. We hit Lauderburn and said, no, we're, we're here. We're staying here. And we stayed there after traveling at least every other day. Yeah. We hit Lauderburn and, and we stopped. we played with cows and we hiked and we that was, yeah. mountain biked-ish. And we've since been back a few times. And yes. It's awesome. Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> two highs and one low of the last... No. Two highs and <laughs> one low of being my dad. Oh, different. I that's just that good. was that was the mid podcast wow, switch up. That's good. Did you guys catch that? <laughs> wow. Just briefly, I mean, just gotta, yeah, you there's just, so many so many highs. Um, I mean, the highs are easy. It's just one working with you. It's like you are really good at what you do. You're very proficient technically. You work as hard as anybody, and just working with being able to work with you. As a person, regardless if you're my daughter or not, you're a great person to work with. Thank and that's you. just, whenever I can work with you, one of the downs is not being able to work with you enough now. Yeah. It's like you're so in demand and you travel and you work so hard, we don't get to work together as much yeah. as I wish. And I really enjoy the experience of working with you as a professional outside of father-daughterness. Because yeah. we, we, one, we produce and Thank it's you. fun. So that's very good. And another high is... <laughs> is one just being proud of you in general, but one bring it back to Warren Miller, sitting and watching you sign posters for little kids, seeing their little faces light up, and seeing how good you interact with kids and encouraging their passion. And uh, you, I can tell you, it's not even necessarily skiing. It's like follow your passion and the way you encourage little kids. And going back to remember me sitting in the audience watching Scott Schmidt, watching a skier encourage us to live your dreams yeah. and that's I'm mean, so much of Warren Miller is not only live your dream skiing but live your dreams yeah follow what it is and seeing you encourage next generation is amazing oh yeah. thank you yeah. what, about, what about the lows just the, low? the, the multitude of temper tantrums throughout the last 30 years of my life <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a bit of that going <laughs> I wish I could get her to um the lows would be I, there's some things that when you're growing up I wish I could have and probably should have protected you from. And that's, I look back at that and there's, I did the best I could in the situation. There's things I wish I could have protected you from. There's certain, yeah, I mean, there's certain, I wish I could have parented so you would be happy all the time. But which is okay. not possible. And, and I know there's... No adults are going to be happy all the yeah, time. Yeah, so. exactly. But no, there's, as far as the parenting, yeah. As far that, as you and your personality, there's very few lows. I yeah. want you to be happy. I want you to be able to express yourself. <laughs> yeah. You express yourself really well, but I just want you to be, yeah, when you go through tough times, I wish I want to be able to communicate with you. Yeah. Well, I'll work on that. There we go. Thanks, And now you have Todd. It's like, Todd, yeah. Oh, uh, he just, I think his long hair just absorbs my words and, like, filters them yeah. through or whatever. And, it's good. and you're supposed to grow up and have him to communicate with and have yeah. him help solve your problems, and that's how life's supposed to be. Yeah. But I still miss being the only guy. Yeah. Well, you're um, good at sharing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least Todd's a good skier. <laughs> Too much S word. Yep. Too much S word. We're all breaking our own rules. Okay. Will you please... Okay, so I, we're going to wrap this podcast up. These nice people okay. in their cars or wherever they are right now have been listening to us talk for a long time. But um, we end every episode with a story, as you know. But I want two stories. I want you to tell me yeah. one story about your life and one story about me like as a kid that I might not know stories so like of your life I was maybe thinking if you feel like yep. I'm telling it the pig boat crash oh 
Yeah. It's a pretty um, cool story. That's yeah. That one trying to keep that one short. Um yeah, that was, was actually one of the scariest things. I've been in some avalanches. I've been in some, you know, scary situations with tree work, with a bunch of stuff I do. I've been scared. But one of the scariest moments ever was probably I was filming a trip in China on the Yangtze River. For the travel show you For a travel on. show I did. And we I filmed, we did like 50 shows and only like three were from the States. So yeah. I was lucky to travel all over the world. We were in Yangtze, on the Yangtze River the year before they closed the dam. Okay. So we went to all the old temples and old cities, like a million plus people. Before they got Before they are underwater. So now they're all underwater. Wow. And so it was super cool to go to these temples and cities and look up on the hillside. And see the new 300 city. yards. And they literally built new cities on the hill. They can't see that hand motion. It's okay. They can feel they the can hand feel the hand motion. Anyway, so you'd look and see a brand new city with brand new condos and brand new city up on the hillside, huh. and you'd be in this anyway. So we're on that trip, and uh, one night, as usual, we're late getting back to our big cruise ship that we went down the Yangtze River on, and so we were in a small enclosed boat taxi. It was probably a twenty-foot little boat taxi that was enclosed, and we're down under, inside the underneath part, and it was late at night and dark, and uh, I just fell asleep leaning against the window and our driver apparently we found out later was drinking and he tried to get in front of a barge and a 200 foot barge but there's a you're missing a part of this story okay apparently you were about to fall asleep and you had oh you're going into there i haven't told many people about that i I mean this is the coolest part of the story okay well anyway so i'm laying i'm just dozing off um leaning against the window of the boat Mm -hmm. and and in in I have this vision, I suppose you want to say, but it just comes to me that, okay, this is going to happen and um, you're, the boat's going to hit something and you're going to be upside down and underwater, but just look up and there's a window right above you and it's going to be okay. And I didn't really freak out. I just like, okay, and okay, that's going to happen. And I dozed off. And then at some point, not too long later, I hear this big, huge noise and I'm like, and there was some panic, but it was more like, oh, it's happening. And so I'm underwater and I, I open up and I look up and the water line is right where I knew it would be on the boat because the boat's sideways, almost upside down. And I look up and there's a window straight above me, right where I knew the window would be. Uh-huh. And, and so, so you just immediately... Reached up and opened the window and stepped on my partner's head getting out of the window <laughs> and then pulled people out and stuff. But it was incredibly scary because it was like, you sound asleep to being... And it was you know, up, pitch up, black. Pitch and what black. had happened is the little taxi boat had been hit by a huge barge. Yeah, it was a 200-foot barge. And then kind of almost worse was they, they had a spotlight on the barge, and one of the workers on our boat got knocked off. So the spotlight would swing on the boat to she us and then swing out to the guy in the water. So you're blind. And so then it's you're... like blinding white light, pitch black. Blinding white light, pitch black, while you're upside down in a boat underwater. And, but you were able to basically essentially rescue everyone out and everyone was fine. Yeah. They yeah. found the guy in the boat. We th- The guy that we, we did a head count as soon as we yeah. got everybody on deck and we're missing one. And yeah. we're like, he's gone. But they found him downriver. Okay. So he was okay. But yeah, and all our crew was, mo- you know, bumps and bruises, but all okay. But we crawled up on the boat. The boat uprighted itself and it was like two feet underwater, the deck. So like you're standing yeah. on two feet of water and we're drifting down river. And we got to the side and the boat that hit us was able to pull over and stop and we were able to get on the boat. Yeah. And so we're all stressed and like, okay, we'll get on the boat and the boat's going to take us to our, back to our ship and okay, we'll be okay. And, uh, it turns out it was a, a very local boat. And, uh, when we're jump, when we're getting on the front of the boat, there's two big gunny sacks and one, and one, the producer of the show stepped on one of the gunny sacks and this horrible noise came out and it was a bag full of baby pigs. <laughs> 
And so these pigs were squealing, and, and all of us were like freaking out because this horrible noise. Then we started laughing, so it was really funny. You had to walk on. And then our leaders, our, the guys from the barge, like, okay, come this way, we'll take you to the captain's quarters. And we're going, oh, great, the captain's quarters. And they're on like the third or fourth floor, and the whole first floor was solid pigs. So you just walk on. And we pigs. had to walk across the pigs' and they back. Were like, oh, yeah, making all kinds of noise. Yeah, and we're, yeah. And so we had to walk across the pig's back, and then we went up to the next level, and it was um, some cargo, and uh, all the poor people on the next level was really, poor people in China at the time was really rough. Yeah. And then we went up to the workers' ca- the workers level, and then even the captain's quarters was not a place I'd want to hang out. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. But, yeah, so that was... Wow. Yeah. So upside down in a boat in the Yangtze River. Followed by squealing pigs. But the coolest part was like the life-saving premonition. Because you told me a, kind of like a version of that story when you came home. Because I was probably, what, like 10? Yeah, I didn't, you didn't need to know. But like as I got older, you told me the real story. Yeah, because I, like, I didn't want people to... It was, it was scary. If we, if we would have gone under the barge any differently, we yeah. would not have come out. It yeah. would have been different. And waking up underwater. And again, the premonition thing, I, it's kind of woo-woo and weird. And I haven't even told that many people about that. I well, just now say, you've just told a bunch of a people bunch about it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it was really weird to have this vision of whatever. I had the same thing whatever. when I was buried in an avalanche. I, as I was dropping in, I didn't think anything was going to happen. I, I clearly didn't make any decisions or have any fear. And I, as I was dropping in, I looked over and I saw two people. Because the people I was yeah. with, people know the story. Go listen to it on Backpacker Magazine podcast. It's really Out of scary. Life. It's very scary. But I, I knew the people I was with didn't have gear. And as I was dropping in, I saw two people. And when I was under the snow buried, I had gone back to that moment of seeing those two people. And I know that they were the two people that were digging me out. Yeah. I knew it. I knew that yeah. the probe strike I felt was theirs. So maybe it's genetic. Maybe Hopefully everybody has it. these yeah. things. Maybe but it was really you weird. haven't when, had this When thing, the noise hit, it was like just, super scary. But happening. instantly, it wasn't like what's happening. It was it's happening. Yeah. Which is a very strange feeling. Feeling. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's happening. And yeah. it's just like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to you got to do your superhero thing. You still wear a t-shirt with a Superman thing on it, which yeah, is ridiculous. That's, but that's well, yeah. yeah okay. All right. What about a quick story about me? Maybe from like when I was a kid or something that like maybe I don't. Maybe I've heard or. Well, if I could relate to ski boots, there would be the socks in the cheerleading car story. Oh, that's the one you're gonna go with. It's just because your feet smell right now. That's, that's why you kind of brought it up. So you have we to could also go, also go back to when I was young. I played softball. We'll go back to the softball story. Okay. Okay. And, well, the, and, and, we can breeze over this one. I had very stinky feet as like a tween. Yes. And it was bad. It but was bad. We don't and, have to. We don't have to go further. Expand on that. that. Yeah, anybody that has skied, skied with, with me her knows, knows the ski boot situation. I've got real skills. Yeah. Stinky feet. But the cute story. Cute story. From back like being stories. single dad, I still I was very much still my jock, trying to be a jock and. and being a 22-year-old with a baby, 21-year-old with a baby. But I was still playing softball. And like five so, nights a week? Yeah, a lot. I played softball a lot. And so Amy would come hang out with me at all the games. And she was like our little mascot. And she was like <laughs> three and just getting potty trained. Two? Yeah, two. Two or three, just getting potty trained and all that. So we're out at a softball tournament on a weekend in the middle of the afternoon. And she's in the stands. And we actually had a fair bit of people in the stands. Because I would just roam around. I'd yeah. go play at the playground. I'd hang yeah. out with some of the wives. Yeah, you'd, you'd do what you do. How much trouble can I get into? Yeah. And so we're in the middle of a game, and I'm out at shortstop. 
doing my thing, and the little voice from nowhere is like, Daddy, Daddy, gotta go potty. Daddy. Like, <laughs> just start yelling just it out. yelling it out, out of every, the whole stand. She's up in the stands. Actually, it was a tournament, so there's quite a few people there, and this little voice yelling, Daddy, Daddy, gotta go potty. <laughs> So Didn't she, everybody she, like collectively like awe at it? Or yes, something? it was a very good crowd reaction. Yeah, yeah. So we made it through the inning and then we ran for the porta potty, which is always Ugh. a great experience with a two year old. Nasty. Yeah. Well. Yes. Anyway, cute the cute anybody. story. Very cute. She was adorable. And her hair I was, was cute, nice. but apparently I knew it. Well, of course. And I would like. You knew how to work it even snazz then. Snazz it up you a little bit. You still know how to work it. You knew how to work it then. <laughs> yes. That. You came by that honestly. All right. Well, we talked for, I think this might be our long, my longest podcast ever. I was wondering about from that. From a guy that says he doesn't even like to talk or be interviewed. You were nervous. You didn't know what we were going to say. I can talk about my kid. Anybody that knows me knows. Uh, I know. I'm quiet. I, know. I don't say much. I don't talk a lot. Just don't get me started on my kid. I then know. I just, uh, feedback with your Instagrams, which again, we'll use this. <laughs> Where can people follow you, dad? Oh, skicamguy.com. Nope. That's no, that's your my, that's, that's my website. <laughs> I see I'm figuring this stuff out. Anyway. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. At Ski cam guy. Ski cam guy. Yeah, that's you. Anyways, if you guys go to my dad's Instagram, it's it's great. There's motorcycle pictures and camera guy pictures, but then he always refers to my kid. And all of your captions are just doing this with my kid. Watched my kid do this. And so I don't know how old I have to get for me to stop being your kid. But it ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. But Dad, thank you so much for being on my podcast. And Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thanks for being my dad. Thanks for raising me. That's it's been a pleasure. Yeah. I'm glad I can wear glitter now. Yes, so, officially. Yeah, officially. Yeah. Officially, yep. yeah. So, um, well, thank you, everybody, to, for listening to this nice conversation I got to have with my dad. And um, thanks for listening to Long Underwear. We are in the process of working on season three. It will come sometime. I don't know when. But I hope you guys are enjoying the start to your summer. Who knows? Maybe it is still snowing where you guys are. I don't know. But, um, yeah, wishing all the dads out there a very happy Father's Day. And, um, yeah, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Long Underwear. This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment, who you can follow on social media at Warren Miller ENT to keep the good times rolling. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Ingerbretson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team. Art is by Barclay Wyrock and editing and mixing by Jason McDaniel. <laughs>